Welcome to Away From The Keyboard. We give you a glimpse into the lives, interests, and tech behind today's technologists. Please join our hosts, Cecil Phillip and Richie Rump, as we get away from the keyboard. Welcome to Away From The Keyboard, where technologists tell their stories of how they started, how they grew, how they learned, and how they unwind. My name's Richie Rump, and with me, I have my co-host, Cecil Phillip. What's going on, Cecil? Hey, not much, Richie. How are you doing, man? How was your weekend? Man, it has gone busy. I just feel like I'm just moving from one thing to the next thing to the next thing and not stopping for a breath. It has just been crazy this week. Yeah, I know for us last week, it was Cameron's birthday. So my son turned three. Cool. And, you know, always the the few days just before the birthday party always seem like the most hectic, right? Like <laughs> cakes are being made and decorations are being prepared I'm distracting him so he doesn't try and eat or destroy the decorations. And then, you know, there's a setup. We got a bouncy house. So definitely a lot of coordination and stuff like that happened. But um, we had a really good time. I think the highlight for me definitely, though, was we had a fathers versus children water balloon fight. It actually, it wasn't even a water balloon fight. It was more we were the bad guys and they were the superheroes. We didn't have any <laughs> water guns or any water balloons. They had oh. all the ammunition. And we just had to run. Oh, so it's not like reality. No. <laughs> so I can definitely say I got a hell of a workout running up and down that park <laughs> from these, you know, from the, all these little kids. Well, you know, I think Cameron is going to grow up, one, become an offensive lineman, and two, be like this huge ladies man. I caught her on the beach a few weeks ago. You know, my daughters met Cameron, and all they could talk about was Cameron when they got back to the room. <laughs> Cameron this, Cameron that. So much so that when we were out that night, they had to buy a birthday gift for Cameron. Aww. And you know what? He <laughs> loves it so much. He actually read that tonight before he went to bed. So, oh, that's cool. So for, uh, for your girls and uh, for Mrs. Rump, tell her we all said thank you very much. He, he loves it. You got it, man. Yes, sir. All right. Who we got up today? So today we're talking to a friend of ours, Mr. Jonas Swatsky. So Jonas is a husband, a father of three. He's a Microsoft Most Valuable Professional, and he's a Microsoft Certified Application Developer. He has over a decade of experience building and architecting .NET applications using the Microsoft development technologies such as ASP, Visual Basic, and SQL Server. He's also worked in several markets such as insurance, real estate, and hospitality. You know what's funny about that? That he's a C-sharp MVP, and there's no C-sharp in his bio. <laughs> he has Visual Basic in there. That is true. That's awesome. That's funny. <laughs> this episode was recorded on June 24th, 2015. And now our conversation with Jonas Swatsky. And now, away from the keyboard's feature conversation. All right. So, uh, you know, uh, my name is Jonas Stavsky. I'm a father and husband, father of three kids, also an MVP on C Sharp. That's a Microsoft Most Valuable Professional in Visual C Sharp. And uh, I'm also the, the founder and president of my own company called Digital Idea Solutions, where we do consulting work for other companies in the software development uh, realm. That's me in a nutshell. And you do, um, you do a lot of Xamarin work, right? Like you're working a lot with mobile technology and that type of stuff? We do, and uh, it's actually picking up uh, more and more. I've been doing... Samring since before it was called Samring, uh, the MonoTouch days. I yeah, it used to be called MonoTouch. Yeah, it used to be called MonoTouch. I even gave a presentation a while back on .NET Miami 
about it before it became Samring. So the beginning, very beginning, when when he, it was even on on beta, when they were they didn't even know if it was going to work. You know, they were testing things out, testing the Apple Store uh, to see if it uh, if it would go through. Uh, those days were more of playing with playing around with it. It's been a long ways since then, and a lot of changes. But uh, yeah, I love it. I think it's I think it's a great tool for a, a huge problem in the market, in the mobile market, in the segmented mobile market. The ability to to have uh, one code base in theory and, and be able to use it in multiple platforms. I, I think that's huge. And you also have your the South Florida. Xamarin Users Group, right? You're the, you're the head of that or the co-founder of that? Right? Yes, I'm the, I was the co-founder with uh, Mir Majid. We started it, uh, I think... Uh, like two years ago, right? Uh, no, a little less. Uh, maybe less than two years ago. a year and a couple months. We got <laughs> together and decided uh, decided to, to create a Xamarin User Group. You know, I, I, it was always in the back of my mind. And he said that he was interested. We met then the IT Palooza. He said that he was interested. You know what? This is great. I didn't want to do it alone. Uh, we'll help. We'll do it together. And we got started. First meeting was after uh, Code Camp, South Florida Code Camp, which was in February. So our first meeting was in March of 2014. So what do you feel like the the buzz in the community is for, for, for Xamarin and, and mobile development in general? I mean, I know before when I initially started working, I, was, I say this pretty often, everybody wanted a website. Everybody wanted a website. Everybody wanted you to learn jQuery. And now it kind of feels like it's it's shifting over a little bit, right? Like now everybody wants the website and they want a mobile experience, right? I want an iPhone app. I want an Android app. So so how do you feel? Or what, how, how has that looked for you, you know, since that's mainly what you do? And also to know you have this user group. I definitely i am seeing a shift to we are getting, I guess, uh, to the <clears throat> same stages as say early 2000s of uh, you know having well, websites were starting to be mainstream but we get into that place on the mobile side as well we're not quite there yet because there's still people that and companies and mostly government entities don't think that they need an app right but they do have a website but they're always the they the late bloomers right they're they're the ones yeah. who who do stuff because there's no other choice <laughs> right um, yeah it's like the the people that don't have a rotary phone anymore because they're not being made. <laughs> it's those type of people, right? But if, right. if they were still being made, they, they would have one. So, but yes, so we're not quite there yet in terms, and my understanding, in my opinion, on, on mainstream in regards to the, to the mobile apps, that everyone needs to have one. And I don't think everyone needs to have one either. I'm a little concerned, though, because it, it does affect my business a little bit. At the beginning, you know, if you wanted a website, not everyone had one, and now it's a commodity, right? You go to I don't know, one of the services online and for for free, or or you know, if you're on your own domain or whatnot, or a little more features, four dollars a month, you can have your own website up and running instantaneously. There are services out there that allow you to create your own app, and that kind of lowers the bar, right? And and when you talk to clients and and they say they want this app that have all these bells and whistles. They're like, you know, you, you come up with a number and they're like, whoa. <laughs> okay, well, you know, I need to make money too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Yep. So, yep. but there's still the companies that, uh, that understand that that's not the case. Even with websites, right? Uh, I call it websites, but really web applications. When I mean websites, I, I mean front-end, customer-facing, typical about us, contact us. Right, as well as 
business line of applications, uh, internal applications to for customers and whatnot. But there's those companies that still understand that uh, that this is to run their business and this is not the, the type of apps that I mentioned that you go in and you build your own app, uh, you know, those web services. So, okay, I want an app that has a, an about us screen and a map here and a connect to Facebook and then you press a button and creates this this package that you're able to then go into the stores and publish yourself. Uh, they know that that's, that's not enough. There's still work there, but still the people that think that this is a commodity this should be done for a hundred bucks you know what I mean? yeah. um, <laughs> as a matter of fact i, I had a i had a client that uh, well not, not a client but a possible client that that was transitioning for that type of from that type of service where they uh, created an app using this service they reached their limits and wanted to have something custom made so and actually uh thought that that Samring was the right way to go due to the, you know, they're a Microsoft shop and they're used to C Sharp and whatnot. So they want to be able to uh, follow an easy transition. Let's, let's, let's dig into to you a little bit more. Okay. So how did you, like, where did you get your passion for technology from? Well, I was uh, a little kid uh, in Argentina. I'm from Argentina. I forgot to mention that in my bio. But, ah, uh, that's where the accent is from. That's where the accent is from, yeah. So, so when I was a little kid in Argentina, my dad used to own a computer store. And since even before that, I was always curious about technology or, or how things worked. Let's put it that way. You know, I remember grabbing stuff and, and uh, putting it apart. And of course, like always as a kid, you don't know how to put them back together. Uh, but I was intrigued by, by, by the internals of everything, specifically electronics. And then my dad got a computer store in Argentina. And I think I was, how old was I? Maybe uh, 11 or 12. And in the summers, I used to go there and work uh, at, at the at the store and build the computers that they would sell. Uh, you know, the clones, n- not the the brand names. People would go in and say, "I want a computer that has this, this, and this." And I would actually grab the components and put the computer together. And that's how the passion started. You know, uh, learning about the internals of the hardware. Eventually, uh, I got a computer at home, and it was running DOS, Windows 3.1. <laughs> uh, I remember deleting the file systems. <laughs> Not even knowing what I was doing, playing nice. around, yeah, and calling back to the office and, and talking to the guy who knew software. It's like, what do I do now? And he would tell me, type this, you know, he would CD, you know, C colon slash Windows and <laughs> and repairing it. It's over the phone, et cetera, et cetera. So that's how it started. Uh, eventually, you know, I got good at being a computer user. And at some point, I, I started looking at being able to manipulate the computer uh, and and without even knowing i was writing programs <laughs> remember writing a calculator program right uh, that took input and it would spit out the output right so one plus one equals two and i didn't know i was writing programs right right until i was uh, later on and, and was able to you know say oh that's what i was doing <laughs> <laughs> but uh that, that's how it started that's how it started and, and then i fell into the into the um, into the web uh, my first Real professional job at a company. The company was called Lease Trader. They're actually the Auto Trader. You know, AutoTrader.com. Yeah. Well, the the they are the Auto Trader of leases. Uh, you have uh-huh. a lease. You want to get out of it, right? You can't just get out of it. So they put a buyer and a seller together, and, and they basically transfer the lease. So I, I started working on that company when I uh, 
when I was in college, my second year of college, and I worked through in that company all through college until I graduated. Uh, a couple of months later, then I moved on to my next job. But you know, at that company, I learned a lot. I was it was a small company, and and I was very lucky to have great great mentors that that really taught me a lot uh, to the point where it was very boring going to the college. <laughs> I lived in uh, in North Miami, and I was going to FAU in Boca Raton. It was like a 40, 45 minute to an hour drive every day to college to go to the database class, right? To learn how to do select, start from when I was doing production, heavy duty SQL. <laughs> I think it was uh, SQL 2000 back then, oh, or even or even oh. prior to that. I don't even remember what it was. But uh, you know, production heavily used production website with lots of transactions. So, so I was very, very, very lucky. So here's a question. So since you were, were working in the field and going to school at the same time, do you find that the experiences on either side kind of helped complement each other a little bit? Or or did you know were you so in deep in the work like school just became like very boring to you? So I found out that school is very, it's a lot of theory. It's not very practical, which for computer science, it really, really helps. Uh, uh, and I think it really, really helps understanding how things work helps you being a better programmer. You know, sure. I, I find, you know, looking at code and, and looking at the way things code was written and trying to figure out, you know, the mind of the developer, what were they thinking? It's like, you know, you're using more CPU by doing this I'm, I'm and more memory. What's the point of doing that? And, and I think that being able to uh, go to college and get that theory really helps you out. I'm not saying that that's the only way to get it, right? But it, it, but it is one way. But in terms of practicality, for what I was doing, it was not real practical. I learned most of it on the job, things that I would have never learned at school. And it really helped me once I graduated to, to find a really, really good job, you know, right out of school. And so how did you move into starting your own company eventually? So from that, I... Got into consulting through another company really early in my career, maybe when I was 24, 25. I was doing consulting, going to bigger corporations and, and helping helping out. And eventually, you know, the recession hit and I had to be laid off of that company. Uh, it was a very small consulting company and I think it was the best thing that happened to me. I was always contemplating to, to quit and do my own thing, but I guess I, I never had the balls, let's put it that way, to do it. Uh, until this happened, uh, and it was great. It, it was the best thing that happened to me, and, and it just kept going. The same thing I was doing for for someone else, I was now doing it for myself. Having looked back since then, I maintained a good relationship with the uh, with the owner of the previous company, the president, and you know it worked out pretty good. When things picked up, you know, partner together, uh, we help each other, and and it really, really, really worked out. And and that's how I got involved you know i always had that that company under my belt i was i was doing side work like very small things and once this happened i took the role full time i was lucky enough that when i was laid off i was able to find a client really fast uh, and by real fast i mean within a day <laughs> wow so, yeah so so the transition was was very very smooth i haven't stopped since since that day and been, be, been very very lucky very very lucky. that's that's awesome you know i know some friends of mine that you know it'll take them months or you know i even i have another friend of mine it's, it's been over a year for him to even find client you know so that's that's really lucky so i i think what i what i'm finding out more and more is doing good work and having a good relationship with the companies you work for really help you in the long run i'm circling back to new clients that come from 
previous clients, right? Because maybe it was a developer that was working on that previous client that now moved to another company and they need help. I'm finding out that that's really, really helping out. So, you know, it, it's not a, it's not an overnight thing, but, but it, it definitely, definitely helps. A lot of people think that consulting is the get in, do your job and get out. And it truly is not different than working the, the typical normal job. I don't want to say repetitive and old stuff, but with consulting, you tend to work on newer stuff. Not always uh, the best job in the world, uh, but, you know, on the other hand, you need to keep up with everything that's new because, you know, they're hiring you for your expertise, for your knowledge of, of everything uh, to help out in the company or, or to get started on a project, you know, to, to drive a project forward. It has its, its ups and downs. It's, uh, it's good and bad things. Uh, but, you know, I love it. Uh, I really, really am. I'm lucky that I'm, that I'm doing, and I, I would say that most of us uh, are in the same boat, that, that we're doing what we love, right? Uh, I think, sure, definitely. I think not everyone can say that. Yep. Yeah, and that's, and that's sad too, right? Like, I, I feel guilty sometimes. I come to work and, you know, I look around, I look out the window and there's palm trees and I'm sitting down writing code, right? And, <laughs> and you know, I'm like, you know, Florida. yeah, and you, you know, I'm like, you know, things could be a lot worse than this right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're, they're paying me to, to play, right? Like, writing code for me, it's like, uh, it's like playing chess. It's 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 a game to me. It's a serious game, but it's still a game to me. And it's it's about you know trying to overcome the obstacle and 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 solve the and solve the problem. So I, I get to play chess every day and look at palm trees. I think that's that's not bad. I don't mind that at all. <laughs> that's if you like chess. That's if you like chess. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. This life isn't for everybody. Okay? That's that's one thing I'll tell people. Like this this programming life isn't for everybody. You either you either love it or you leave it alone. Is what the way the way I say it. Yeah. You know, and it's very challenging as well. I find that uh I, at least myself and and I and I've run into many many developers that that did the same thing. Uh sometimes I I take a pay cut because of the team that I'll be working on or because of the technologies that I will be working. It's not only about the, the pay. It's not only about what you're going to make with that client. The current client I'm on, I did that. You know, I was going to work on stuff that I wanted to work on, not only in theory or learning about it, but in real production cases, right? And, right. and I was going to be part of a great, great team for a great, great project. So you know what? It's worth it. And that's us. We... We're not, we're not normal people. <laughs> we're not normal no, we're, people. Uh, but that's the beauty of doing what you love, right? Exactly. You know, you'll, you'll put, you'll push the extra hour, you know, you'll read and research and, you know, do whatever it, it, it takes for you to, to solve your, the problem you have in front of you. Uh, Again, it's, it's definitely a, a problem solver. I like to solve problems. I like challenges. I like through, to work through things. You know, that's almost the kind of mindset that you have to have if you're going to be in this type of field. Yeah. I mean, take it last night. I was up until 11 o'clock coding. <laughs> uh, and and I liked it. It's not like I was looking at the clock, oh, when I'm going to be finished, when I'm going to be finished. It's exactly. something that I do because it's something that I love doing. And, and I do it because it's satisfying. So, But I, I did notice that uh, once you, as you start getting older, right, and, and I sound like that. <laughs> I sound like a 56-year-old, and, and I'm not. Oh, you mean like Richard? <laughs> oh, why you have to go that way? I am nowhere near 56, bro. <laughs> I'm talking about way younger, not older, home. All right? <laughs> I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. 
I remember when I was younger, man, I, I used to remember every single little thing. I used to be fast, like fast and furious. Uh, I would get in and concentrate and, and do so much stuff in one day or in a, in a given period of time. I can't do that anymore, right? Um, as you get older and you learn new stuff, you, your, your brain just has a, a limit to the stuff you can take in. I find myself, you know, searching for minor things or syntactical things, for example, on a language that I've been coding for for many, many years, just because I don't remember it anymore. That gets replaced with being smart, right? Being more efficient. Now I do stuff that maybe uh, back in the day I couldn't do, you know, architecting a whole system. Now I get, I get the bigger picture, right? And maybe I don't work in the details of that architecture of developing the whole thing, but more in the general architecture of how things play together and tie together and, and, and work with other people who, who do the details and the development of, of specific pieces. Doesn't mean that, I, that you know, I'm off the, the trenches, you know what I mean? I'm actually every day coding constantly. I remember before it used to be like, oh, this needs to get done. And I would just get on it and, and start coding only to find out, oh, this would have been better if I did it this way. And then you had to start all. Don't you hate when that happens? <laughs> it still happens. It still happens, right? It doesn't mean that it doesn't happen now, but... No, it definitely does. But you're smarter now. You know, you have the experience. But now you think ahead because we're replacing that lack of... Of foresight. Yeah, exactly. With, with, with being smart about everything. And I like it. I'm liking it. I'm really liking it. So with, with you coding up until 11 o'clock at night, how do you manage that with having three little rugrats running around? <laughs> well, they're not running at 11 o'clock at night, so, that, so that's good. No, that's just Cecil's kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just mine. You know, they go to bed around 9 o'clock, depending on the day, 8.30, 8. Uh, the older ones tend to stay later. Uh, but they require less attention, right, uh, on minor details. Uh, so so I can still code. But I'm not saying that I, that I coded from 9 a.m. to 11 o'clock, right? I still oh, have family not. time. Uh, maybe I started at eight o'clock or so uh, until 11 after a full day of coding. So uh, uh, before when I was younger, I would start at eight o'clock in the morning and until 11 o'clock or even, you know, not you know, being able to finish something. There's a problem I can't figure out. There's no way I would go to bed. There's no way. I had to figure this thing out before I went to bed. And, and I look at my, I look at the window and the sun is out. Oh, oh, the man, next day is so horrible. many times. Oh, so many times, right? <laughs> and you know, and you're telling it, and you're telling yourself, right? It's like, just go to bed, forget about it. You're going to wake up tomorrow with a fresh mind, and you're going to solve it in five minutes. But even knowing that, and even knowing that that's going to happen, because it has happened, right? Because sometimes you just can't, your brain just, just dies, right? You go to bed, you wake up the next morning, and you solve it in five minutes. And, and you know you have that experience that that's going to happen. Even knowing that, you said, I got to figure this thing out. I'm not going to bed. I'm going to figure it out. And you're up at 3, 4 in the morning. And you finally figure it out. You wake up the next morning. It's like, what did I do here? <laughs> it's <laughs> like, right here. <laughs> what Amazing. did I do? What did I do? And then in five minutes, you, you, you solve it even better. That's us. Like I said. And you see, the reason that you, you don't go to sleep is because of the fact that you think you're so close. If you didn't think you were close, yeah. you'd be like, oh, okay, well, I'll spend like two, three hours on this tomorrow. But you're like, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna solve this in like 15 minutes. Let me sit and stare at it. But again, no, at three, four o'clock in your morning, your brain is, is, I don't know, running at a fraction of what it would have been running on if you actually got some sleep. 
and you're staring in and you're staring in and you're like, I almost got it. I almost got it. I almost got it. And then the sun comes out and then the coffee starts boiling and you're like, hey, I'm still at my desk, right? And the next day you're <laughs> dead. You can't do anything. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's, like, it's like it was a wasted day. But, uh, but not, only, not only that happens to me, what you just mentioned, but also the fact that I cannot go to bed. I, I, I told myself, okay, stop it. Go to bed. I go to bed yep. and my head is spinning around. And I can't fall asleep. There's no way I would fall asleep. No way. And it's like, oh, but if I do it this way or that way, and the wheels are spinning, 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 and I just won't fall asleep. I end up getting up and going back to the computer and finishing it. <laughs> it's incredible. It's uh, I, I don't know why it happens. I guess it's part of the challenge, right? I'm not sure if it. I'm not sure if it's just me or a handful of us or if it's everyone. But it doesn't only happen to me with. Uh, with software, with writing software development, it happens with for, uh, with me for everything. Uh, getting a coconut out of a coconut tree, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm literally telling you this story because it happened. It's it's. Re- I spent three and a half hours trying to get a coconut out of a coconut. Uh, how, how did that co- happen? Coconut tree or a palm tree? Uh, there, is there such thing as a coconut tree? Um, <laughs> I have a palm tree. Sessie, you would know, right? <laughs> Yeah, so do you do have coconut trees. Like, not all palm trees have coconuts. You okay. know what I mean? So, right. so, so how did you end up spending three hours trying to get this coconut? <laughs> so I was on vacation in the, in the, in, in the Keys, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I, I get bored. I'm, I'm pretty active. I can't just sit, sit and do nothing. I have to do something. Uh, I have to kick a ball around. I have to do something. It's like, you know what? I'm going to do a uh, pina colada today. But I'm going to do it, you know, a good one, you know, with, with actual natural ingredients. So I want to, the first thing I need to do is get a, a coconut down out of the palm. And the palm was huge, huge, huge. I picked one, started looking at it. It's like, how am I going to solve this problem? I tried to climb the tree. Of course, I couldn't. And I'm looking at it. I look down. I find a rock. All right. Let me throw some rocks. <laughs> and I started throwing yeah. rocks. And I started hitting the, the coconut. And it's like, oh, it's moving, right? And then that. About an hour and a half throwing rocks, right? It's like I almost got it, and I'm persistent and keep going and keep going and keep going, and and the thing will not come down, right? <laughs> right up to the point I was about to give up, right? It's like I don't give up. No, not me. I'm gonna get this <laughs> coconut down. I look at the pool, and there's those poles, you know, to to grab people out of the water, you know, when they're drowning right. or something. So go, look at this, beautiful. <laughs> I grab it. You know, I, I, I hooked the coconut and I pulled down and I get it down in two minutes. But I spent about two hours before it trying to get it down. Wow. Oh, the, 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 and it resembles <laughs> the stories that I'm telling you, right? It resembles the stories of I need to solve this problem and, and you cannot think fresh because you're stuck in this small view of field of the code that you're writing on and, and, and the way you thought that this would solve the problem and you're not looking at the bigger picture, right? And, and that's, that's the beauty of going to sleep and coming back. Your, your mind is fresh, fresh point of view. You can look at the bigger picture and say, I, I was trying to solve this. This was not working because I was trying to solve it the wrong way. You know, I didn't have to go to bed. <laughs> I just had to look left instead of up, right? Uh, and find that, that pole for the, for the pool. But. And the next time it won't take you three hours. <laughs> well, now, <laughs> now when I'm at the beach and I'm bored, I look at smaller palm, uh, you know, palm trees. <laughs> Because <laughs> I go with my, my kids. I go, let's let's go find some coconuts, right? And and we go find when we're bored at the beach and we go find some coconuts and, and we open them survivor style with rocks. We just hit them and, and, and open it with, with our bare hands and when then we take really? it home and do and do something with it, you know, pina colada or whatever. They love it, it's adventurous, yeah. 
I can imagine, right? Caveman yeah. style. I'm gonna go and smash this coconut open. Yeah. Well, so, so, well said. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Cecil, what is the proper way to get a coconut from a tree? Well, in Antigua, they we just you just climb the tree, right? So what happens is you get like a belt or like something that you could wrap your body around the tree, and you kind of just shimmy your way up the tree. Yeah, I've seen that done. Pretty much what happens. Like there's some people that could do it pretty quickly. Me, not so much so. You know, they, you pretty much just shimmy your way up the tree and you typically have like a cutlass or a machete like on your waist or on your back. And then when you get to the top, then you chop them off. And, you know, somebody will be at the bottom or, you know, you'll have a bag or something like that and they'll fall down and you just pick them up. There it is. I tried it. Now we all know. I couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I tried it. I tried it. But yeah, climbing is climbing is easier said than done, man. Like if, if, you, if you've ever climbed a rope, in in gym class in high school or anything like that it is it is nothing close to that it is like 10 times harder so it's you know being able to imagine wrapping yourself around i don't know like a column in a building or something like that right and having your you know having to be completely wrapped around it and then having to shimmy yourself up like you know just pretty much just jerking yourself up up this pole yeah it's it it looks cool but it's not easy it is not Not it is not try it I dare you guys to try it next time you're on the beach. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely not either. <laughs> Richie, I know you're going to try it. I know you're going to No. <laughs> no. Uh, I'll be back in a hotel behind a computer. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. So, so, Jonas, I know a couple of weeks ago we were talking and you told me that you were in the middle of closing or just about to, to close on your house, right? Like, how did, how did that go? That went pretty well. I'm actually uh, talking to you from my new house. So nice. Yeah, we're very happy. Uh, we're very happy. It was a stressful three months of uh, paperwork and whatnot. And, you know, I love it. Come home from work and there's still little things to do here and there. Well, they're not little, sure. but they're big things and little things. And it's constant, constant work on it. And, and I, I'm the type of guy who likes to do things myself. I, I know my limitations. Sure. You know, I'm not going to... Go play with electricity or water or stuff like that. But no plumbing. No plumbing, right? No electricity. No, no. I know my limitations. And uh, but the other day, you know, we bought this house. It has a tiki bar in the backyard with an actual bar, and we don't drink much. So I wanted to get rid of it. Uh, the actual bar. It was not finished. It had uh, cement blocks, and I just took it out myself, one by one. Started breaking, um, saving the blocks because I want to build a an Argentinian style barbecue. Tell yeah. us about that. What does what does that look like? Uh, what does it look like? It's hard to uh, describe, especially in my uh, lack of English. But it's um, we do barbecue. We don't do it with briquettes. Is that is that how you say it? briquettes? Yeah. Uh, or or natural gas. Uh, we use uh, a natural charcoal, which I think is just wood burnt down and compressed, and we just light it on fire, and it gives the meat a special flavor. But the typical barbecue is made of uh, blocks of uh, of cement and has the grill where the actual where the actual meat lies. Right, it's slightly tilted, and instead of having rounded bars where the meat lies, has has like a bar with a V shape. When as, as the meat is being cooked, the fat is sliding down this V shape uh, metal or whatever it's called. This V shaped rod. And the fat doesn't fall into the charcoal. It doesn't doesn't light it on fire, and it doesn't doesn't uh, turn it off. So right. the heat lasts longer. Uh, and mm. this grill can go up and down. So if you have too much too much uh, charcoal, you crank it up, and and it goes up. So 
less heat, you know, you can manage. And the, the more professional ones have two cranks, right? So you can put some meat in one side that needs more uh, heat and the ones that need less heat in the other side. So you can, you can have a two system, right? So I want to build that. And at the top, it has like a chimney for the uh, smoke to go up and not into the house or uh, not in your face. Right? So it's, a, it's, a, it's specially built. So it generates this kind of like inside tornado that, that grabs the smoke and pushes it up, pushes it up away from everything. For that to happen, it needs to be built well. Uh, it has to be long and there's special dimensions that you have to follow and et cetera, et cetera. And so do you guys have any special seasonings or any particular method that you use to cook your food? Yeah, you salt. Okay. That's it. Uh, we use uh, what's in Spanish we call sal gruesa, which is a uh, thick salt, which is just a salt with, with a thick grain, right? It's not your typical table salt. It's okay. like a kosher salt. Uh, exactly. Yeah, something like that. Uh, maybe a little. I think the kosher salt is a. It's a. It's thicker than the one I'm talking about. But yes, it's the idea, right? So we just we just put salt before we put it on the on the grill, and that's how we cook it. But we, you know, we, we eat a lot of things. We eat this, you know, sausage, which is every country has its own sausage, uh, you know, made out of pork and some of some sausage has pork and meat inside. Uh, what else? We, we eat sweetbreads of the cow. We eat that. We eat the intestines of the cow. Or we eat mostly all the cuts, special cuts from the, from the cow. We eat blood sausage. Which is oh, I love blood sausage. Oh, it's awesome! <laughs> it is awesome. It is awesome. It's awesome. You know, we put a lot of vegetables too in there. We put um, onion. The way I cook the onion, and and I do I do barbecue every weekend. I, I love it. it, and it's an art for us. It's an art, right? And not everyone, not all Argentinians like to do this, right? Uh, I I love it. It's something that uh, it was brought up in my family. My dad used to do it, and and I used to uh, watch him do it, and now I love doing it. It's it's going out to the supermarket, picking up the, the meat that you want to cook, coming back, lighting the, the, the charcoal on fire. Nothing with no alcohol, nothing, right? There's different methods to light it on fire. Uh, wait for the charcoal to, to start lighting. And then, you know, put the meat, put the the sausages, the veggies, you know, you do it. And, and it usually takes the whole ordeal. If you do a really good, we call it asado, it could take, take four hours of constant eating. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't do what I don't do that every weekend, right? Um, but sure. some weekends I said, you know what? Let's do a really good one. And, and you just sit, you you sit right next to the barbecue. And it's just as things are coming out, you put it on the plate, and people start munching and eating. You know, on it. It's it's beautiful. It's a tradition. We we love it. And you know, I'm 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 lucky enough to have friends who uh, who share that with me as well. So. So we try we every time we're trying something new you know what i mean you know we like i said not only meat but veggies i do uh, red onions put them with olive oil and salt on both sides we do mushrooms olive oil and salt red peppers with you can do red pepper you cut it in half and you can put a uh, cheese with oregano in it or just an egg right an egg yeah okay. an egg just just put an egg and the egg basically uh becomes hard Inside, it's like a, it's like doing a fried egg that kind of right and it's amazing it's really really good oh it's just it's just red peppers you know what i mean it's just red peppers with olive oil and salt or or salt or whatever we put salt everywhere <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> or it's just melted cheese we were trying new things every day you know so i really really enjoy doing that 
And so do you find that your kids are, are having like that same love for the food and the process like, like you did when you were growing up with your dad? Oh, they're too young. So I have three kids. One is uh, five, four, and two. Oh, you got babies. I got babies, yeah. The, the youngest one is, is, is a boy. The others are girls. But the boy follows me everywhere that when I do when I do barbecue, he wants to be there with me, lighting the fire and cooking it. When, when I'm working around the house, he brings his uh, toy tools and, and does the same thing with me and helps me out. So, so I see it happening. I see that he, he would love to, to do this eventually. And now, you know, my dad doesn't, doesn't do asylums anymore. He, I do him, all right? And he comes home and, and he just eats, right? He, he got past that tradition and passed it over to me. And eventually that would happen with my kid, I hope. So <laughs> enjoy great asylums together. <laughs> so what are some of the games like you like to play with your kids? Because I'm reading some parts of your bio and it says like you like to play football. The real football. The real, oh, real like football. A, like, what, are you a big Dolphin fan or something? <laughs> no, like football with your feet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the real one, soccer, as they call it in this country. Yeah, so I play, uh, I, I play youngest call it football. Football, he calls it. He can't pronounce it yet. I love it. I don't, cor- I don't correct him. I love it how he mentions That's it. That's awesome. Oh, daddy, good ball, good ball. You know, he can, he can tell everything that is uh, soccer related, football related, right? And he sees a shirt and he says, oh, that, daddy, good ball, good ball, good ball. He says, the ball, good ball, right? And he loves it. We just, we just hit the ball around, uh, like to go to the beach, the pool, and, and play with the sand. We do everything. Play with toys and whatever, whatever comes around, right? watch movies together we, we like to stay home a lot and you know with friends that we have friends who have kids the same age and we either stay at our house or go to their house and, and and they love it it's like all the kids together playing around going everywhere you know dressing up and playing with dolls and or, or balls for in the case of boys so <laughs> it's fun it's a lot of fun. have you found that you're playing with the toys a little more than your kids are <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, I. You know what? You know when that? I think that's going to happen when they have a when they're at the age they can play with Legos. Oh. And they're not quite there yet. I think the oldest uh, is starting to get an interest for it. We bought them a Lego set. You know, we played with with it uh, for a while, and she was, I guess, too young for it. She was not into it, and it's like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. But the other day, I saw her. She was building stuff with it, right? And it was on the side. So, so it's getting to the age where I think I'm going to start playing more with them uh, with, with Legos and, and I think I'm going to start playing by myself. What's funny is that I hear my daughter right now playing with the Duplos and you hear that, you know, that <laughs> just that sound of all these Legos being crunched up once in a, uh, against one another. Yeah. yeah, I hear that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fun. And, and, I, and I hope they, they like it. You know what I mean? Because that's, that's how, what, I, what I did when I was a kid. And, and I can't wait until I play with them with, uh, with Legos. Although they're expensive. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> they're very expensive. I don't know if it was this expensive when I was a kid. But it definitely was expensive no. in Argentina, though. Yeah, no, it wasn't. But if you want to get a really good gift for Cecil... You want to get him that uh, Lego Batman tumbler because he's been really eyeballing that for a while. Really? Yeah, I won't be mad at you if you get me that at all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I haven't been uh, into Legos until, you know, until I started looking into it for my, for my daughter. But then I saw on Netflix, there's a Lego, uh, there's a documentary on, on Lego as the company. Wow, I learned a lot about Lego and the 
what it's been uh, since since I was a kid. That they have uh, theme parks, they have conventions for people that build stuff. Now they yeah. have movies. It became like Disney. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a whole different company. It was great having Jonas on the show. We really enjoyed having this conversation with him. Remember to tell your friends about the show and leave a comment on the website at awayfromthekeyboard.com or on Twitter at AFTK Podcast. You can also follow me at Cecil Phillip and Richie at Jarris. That's J-O-R-R-I-S-S. Yeah, you know that Jarris is the best. You can subscribe to the show via the website or on iTunes. If you really want to know what makes us tick, sign up for the newsletter where you'll get extra episodes, which went out this week. So if you weren't on it, you kind of missed it. But we'll put it online soon. And behind the scenes access to the Wave the Keyboard. I really love those extra episodes. It's, you know, you, yeah, they're a lot of fun. Yeah, it's just you know, a little extra something special for you know, all our listeners and you know, people that subscribe to the newsletter. Yeah, a little something-something, you know? Yep, yep, yep. So next on Away From The Keyboard, we'll have a conversation with developer and WordPress contributor, Patah Dunbar. And uh, I, 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 don't, I don't remember what happened. I blacked out. And, uh, I, but essentially, I, 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 hit, um, I did like a heartbreak. I was going 25, 30. Um, the lights were blinking uh, on both sides. So the lights were out, essentially. Uh, but, I, but, but my body kept projecting forward, obviously with momentum. And uh, I, so I barged in face first into the taxi cab's window. Yeah, you don't want to miss that one. See you next week. We want to thank you for listening to Away From The Keyboard. As a reminder, we will have new episodes each and every week. You can interact with us on Twitter at AFTK Podcast or at awayfromthekeyboard.com. Hasta luego. Yeah, it's the number one toy in the world. Wow. Incredible. And, and I say that as I look at my, you know, Lego Space Shuttle, my Lego Safe One, and my Lego X-Wing sitting above my desk. Wow, you're a really fan. <laughs> yeah, again, I got kids. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, those are yours. You girls can have yours, but this is daddy's now. <laughs> How you can help they? daddy put them together. Uh, nine and five. Okay, so they're, they're at the perfect age. Yeah, they're 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 at the perfect age. The, the little one still likes to play with her Duplos, and she has her own Lego sets that she'll play with. But she still likes to Duplos. But the older one really likes the Lego Friends line, of which I know there's some friends of ours that um, were really kind of down on it because it was catering to girls. But you know what I've kind of realized is that she'll go and put them together, and she'll. Uh, she'll like building it, but what she really loves to do is tell little stories um, with the 
with the Lego friends and they go out to this place together and then they'll go and do each other's hair and then they have all these little, you know, things in their hair and all this other stuff. And so she's telling a story with these little Lego figures and it's like, oh, I see. Just smash things together and rebuild them. You know, it's like it's just it's just different. Yeah, and and this Lego Friends this is like a new line, right? It's it's it's, it's new, right? It's it was yeah, uh, it was it's, intended it's to get girls uh, into Legos, right? Yeah, and, and and it's you know they were I guess some of our acquaintances were poo-pooing because they were thinking, oh, it's all pink, right? And I don't see it that way. You know, I kind of see it through my daughter's eyes, right? That oh, Stephanie has a friend and her friend has a yacht and they're going to go on their yacht. And so she builds the yacht, you know, and, and they go off and watch dolphins or whatever, you know, her, her imagination takes them, you know. So I, I kind of see it as she's still doing creative play. It's just, you know, f- more focused on, you know, kind of a girl play style than, you know, for me, it was all like Lego space and Lego city. Ooh, Look, here's a gas, you know, here's a, here's a gas station. Oh, what's more exciting than a gas station and a fire station? Well, my daughter wouldn't be able to tell lots of stories with that, you know, where me, I pulled the car, you know, and just blow up this gas station and then the fire truck comes out, right? Yeah. That's not, that's not what, what she's into. I wish I had all, you know, I go to the store, the, the toy store now, and I see all these Legos. It's like, wow, I wish I was a kid back again, you know? It's like, I wish I had these sets when I was a kid. Like I said, uh, being in Argentina, they were very expensive. I had small sets, you know, maybe like a like a small yeah. car with a maybe a, a small house. And I remember going to uh, into coming to the states for uh, you know vacationing um, and going to my cousin's house, and he would have this huge bag. I mean, huge. It was bigger than me, full of Legos with airplanes, yachts. And I was just in heaven, you know what I mean? <laughs> wow, this is awesome. But uh, but now, in, in the Aventura Mall here in North, in, in North Miami, if you go to the Lego store, uh, it's been a while since I've been there, so I'm not sure if it's still there. Um, but you could grab a box, a set, one of the sets, and you could put it in front of a of a monitor that had a camera, and the camera would read the barcode, of the set and it would play it would place the a picture a 3d model of the of the set that you grab right of a bit of the yep. set built on top of the box and you remove the box around and you can see the you can see the different sides of, of the set from different angles yeah as you're holding the box to the camera exactly it's a, you wouldn't see it's like it on an the augmented box. reality yeah, it's augmented reality type thing. Exactly on the on, on the actual television set, right? Not not on the box. You know. Yeah. I guess you would need a what an Oculus Rift or or a uh, what do they call it? Uh, the the mic- a Hololens, right? To Hololens. see it <laughs> to see it on the yeah. box. But 